0: Welcome. Last week, we had the discussion about mistakes of the past and things that we are embarrassed about. So I thought, okay, well, how about I talk about the period of my life that I'm mostly embarrassed about. And the title says reflections or something like that of a terrorism apologist. So the terrorist apologist is myself. And I will talk to you about how I experienced 9-11. I gave a talk recently in Ayn RunCon on this topic. I drew some philosophical conclusions about why would someone be such a dark person. Today, I will focus more on the, de- the personal details that I couldn't include in the Ayn RunCon talk, which will be soon also available from ARI. So 9-11-2001. I was 18 years old. I had just finished high school. And I was expecting to begin university. And 9-11, because of the time difference, was taking place in the afternoon in Greece. I was watching live the things unfolding on TV. And the first thing I remember actually was that the Greek uh, bandit, the person who was telling the news, because like everyone, she was completely shocked. She said something like, there must be a horrible mistake in the control tower of the airport on New York because there are two airplanes now that have fallen on a skyscraper. So she couldn't even imagine that this was actually terrorism. Now, I figured out quite early that this was uh, terrorism. And I remember the first comment that I heard by someone in my environment was, this has Mossad written all over it. This has Mossad written all over it. Why Mossad? Mossad is the secret service of Israel. Well, we knew that this was something bad, and this was something momentous, something very big. So it was something big and insidious. Who is doing big and insidious things? Obviously, the imperialists. So the first comment that I heard from someone in my environment, this would be Israeli secret services. And of course, I didn't have major objections to it because I knew that obviously Israel is bad. They're imperialists. Now, if you told me back then, show me in the map, where is Israel? I had no idea. I mean, vaguely I knew, but all I knew is Israel, Israel bad. But then after some hours, we started listening to a new theory now on TV that there was a guy called Bin Laden behind it, Bin Laden. And that was a theory that I found quite possible to accept. Why? Because wasn't Bin Laden this guy who was fighting the Soviets in Afghanistan? So now this fits in the scheme that I had in my head, that the Americans either did this to themselves. So Bin Laden is their guy, and he did it. So the Americans wanted the attack. It was an inside job or a false flag, or however you want to call it. Therefore, it makes sense that it's their former guy, Bin Laden. Or, or maybe, this was indeed some Middle Eastern terrorist, in which case they had it coming again. So, whether it's an inside job, or whether it is uh, someone who turned rogue, a former asset of the Americans who turned rogue, in any case, Americans are the bad guys in this case. So I could see in front of me, literally live, the people jumping from the, from the skyscrapers, the horror. Uh, back then, in the first hours, we could estimate we, we couldn't estimate the amount of dead people, but we didn't know. maybe it was tens of thousands. But there was no sorrow in my heart, because what I was overwhelmed with was that finally, finally, This is revenge for Palestine, for Iraq, uh, for Serbia, two years before the attack, the bombings in Kosovo. So I was such a fanatic that my my first reaction was, whoever did it, the Americans had it coming. The Americans had it coming. And apparently I was not the only one. I was not the only one. So... My most vivid memory from that first day was someone I've known for a long time, someone I grew up uh, together, being out, going out in his, on his balcony and shouting to God, to no one particularly, finally justice, finally justice. And again, the interesting thing is that guy was not a radical. Like you could say I was a radical, a radical communist, whatever. So that's, you'd expect from a fanatic, you'd expect such takes. But that guy was an average guy. And yet his reaction was, finally, justice. Next day is the, already from Monday, we started getting viral jokes via text messages. Back then there were no memes back then almost no one was using the internet so virality would be expressed via text messages via sms as we called it and you had various jokes very early on about the the hijacking and about sorry about the terrorist attacks and also if you remember these old phones where you could with uh, with these dots you could create like cartoons on your phone there were many messages where with the airplane was going on the towers and again with the jokes. One of them, the least disgusting one that I can, uh, that I can share, went something like this, like uh, American Airlines has a new service, we drop you straight to your office. And apparently we thought this was funny, we thought this tragedy was funny and these texts became viral. Quite Interesting that these texts, these jokes became viral not among radicals, not among radical leftists, not among radical anti-Americans. These jokes became quite viral with common people. And I will try to address by the end of this podcast the big question, which is why. Why do common people get to that level of moral monstrosity where you find it so funny that 3,000 people didn't return home that day. And again, we already knew approximately the magnitude of the tragedy. We have seen the scenes of the people jumping from the skyscrapers because they preferred this death to being burned alive. The following days, we also have the first political reactions. The governing party and the opposition party, uh, back then the center-left, the Socialist Party was in power. The center-right was the loyal opposition. They, of course, all uh, said, we denounce this attack. But there was always a but, but, but we denounce the attack. But let's not forget that there are inequalities in the world that lead people to despair. Of course, we denounce the attack, but but let's make sure that this doesn't lead to more wars. So you see, the big picture here was not the thousands of people who died this horrible death, were not the thousands of families who had a member who didn't return home. The major news here was the inequality in the global South, or the the major news here was that the Americans should not try to bring justice by pursuing those who attack them. What about the party that I was supporting back then, the Communist Party of Greece? Their official line was, we neither denounce nor we celebrate. We neither denounce nor do we celebrate. We don't mourn nor we cheer, something like that. Why is that? And again, that was an official line with these words. It wasn't like under the between the lines. It was the official line. We don't mourn, we don't celebrate. Why? Well, because we don't know what happened. We don't know what happened. I mean, we saw airplanes falling on buildings, but who knows who these people were? Maybe they were uh, American agents. Maybe, they were, maybe this was a CIA job. We don't mourn. We don't celebrate. We don't denounce, nor we, uh, nor we celebrate. And you could say, okay, what? This is the crazy communist. What about the other sides of the political spectrum in Greece? What about the right, where the Archbishop of Athens said that these attacks were the wrath of God the wrath of God. And he said also that these attacks were the result of global injustice and of global inequality. So again, you see in front of you this monstrosity. And the big story here is that apparently the God is angry because there is injustice and because there is inequality. What about the top... Greek conservative intellectual of the time. His reaction was that the attack, he said, reminded him, reminded him, the hijackers reminded him of the heroes of the Greek revolution against the Ottomans of 1821. And he said it reminded him of a Greek admiral who attacked the Ottoman fleet with fire ships. So back then, a way to attack the big ship is you had a small boat with dynamite on it, and you would lead that boat to the big ship, and then you set it fire and jump. And he said this is what this story reminded him of. So Al-Qaeda was a David fighting a Goliath. Again, this was the mainstream. These were the great minds, supposedly the great intellectuals. These were the opinion makers. And this had an effect on the population. So this is not to give up my own responsibility for being a, a moral uh, absolutely immoral, but this is to say I was not the only one. And again, that's not an excuse. So according to some pieces of research, 25% of Greeks, 25% of Greeks thought that the attack was justified. So 25% of Greeks were like myself like that guy who went to the balcony and was outing finally justice. Here's the interesting thing. So one in four, 25%, the attacks were justified. An even bigger percentage, 28%, said that this was an inside job. Inside job. Now notice that quite often these were the same people. If these were Venn diagrams, they would actually the one who entered the other. So the same people who think this was a justified attack were the same people who were saying this was an inside job. And I was part of both groups. I thought at the same time that this was an inside job and that it was a justified attack. What does this tell me about these people or at least about myself? That our, our only moral compass was hatred. Like I hate these people. I hate America so much that I don't even care why it happened. If they did it to themselves or whether someone attacked them, I don't care. I know that they're so evil that I wouldn't put beneath them that they did it to themselves. But also, I wouldn't be very sad if one of the people who have been uh, exploited by them or suffered like the Iraqis, the Serbs, the Palestinians, whatever, whatever, the Viet Congs, whatever, uh, that this was a revenge for all these people. And also in Greece, when the people were asked, who is a bigger threat, Bin Laden or Bush? Bush was then the president, Uh, Bush the, the younger. So the biggest terrorist the world had ever known or the president of the United States? Most people thought that the biggest threat was bush. And only 4% of Greeks said that the United States should take military action against whoever was the perpetrator of the attacks. This was another way of saying the United States should suffer, their civilians should suffer, but they should not go but uh, they should not have a right to defend themselves. They are second class people, second-class citizens, and quite soon, any veneer, any any pretense that, oh, we're all shocked, uh, and of course, we have sympathy for the victims, all this went away, and now it was open anti-Americanism. When it became clear that the United States would take military action against Afghanistan, we were out on the streets. Not out of the streets, or out on the streets, to protest terrorism, out on the streets to protest the United States. And also another very vivid memory. Some days after 9/11, uh, there was a football game in Athens. My team, AK Athens, was playing with, a, with Hibernian, a Scottish team. and there was a minute of silence for the victims of the attacks. The minute of silence was not respected by many people in the stadium. I was not in the stadium, but I wouldn't put it beneath me not respecting it if I were there. And actually, they were singing uh, some uh, silly songs, uh, basically praising, uh, uh, accusing the Americans, chanting against the Americans. And some were few, but some also singing something uh, like a chant... For Bin Laden, Bin Laden is also featuring in football chants in following years in Greece, but the context was more like Inter football clubs rivalry. But still, uh, apparently, it was legitimate to to use Bin Laden's name to make fun of. Uh, We're gonna throw an airplane to you and, and things like that. So this is what the situation was. Now, why was this the case? There are many explanations that have been given on why Greece was a country which was at the level, basically, of Pakistan and Iran when it came to anti-Americanism. The left hates America for obvious reasons. So it's the capital of capitalism. It's uh, Also, there's a lot of historical animosity towards the United States because in the Greek Civil War, 1946-1949, the Americans helped the other side, not the communists, but the royalists and, the, let's say, the bourgeois side. Also, the United States sanctioned the military dictatorship under which Greece suffered from 1967 till 1974. But also, the right wing had animosity against the United States because they allowed a NATO member, Turkey, to occupy half of Cyprus. But also, and this is where the hatred of religion comes in, because the United States is the symbol of the West, the symbol of modernity, the symbol of all the things that the church, that religious conservatives don't like, of quote materialism and of uh, of concern with uh, happiness here on earth rather than with suffering or with uh, rather than with uh, with the things that religion thinks that a virtuous person should do. Now, I will tell you what is the explanation for my hatred for America and my, how to call it, I don't even have words, I'm ju- impossible to justify horrible uh, moral monstrosity of cheering for a terrorist attack. But before that, let me see... Let me say a big thank you to Jonathan for your contribution. A big thank you to Catherine. A big thank you to Jonathan again and to Bonnie. Bonnie says inequality, a vicious anti-individual concept. Yes, indeed. And remember why we mentioned inequality? Because for many people, the explanation for the attacks was global inequality. As if someone would say, eh, these people in World Trade Center has, have more than I have. Therefore, what I want to throw a plane on them. Like again, what darkness of soul this hides? It's envy. And Ron talked a lot about envy. And this is unmasqueraded, open, overt envy. Now, how do I explain this? Take from me. How do I explain? Me having such darkness in my soul that I would feel I don't even know what the word is like it wasn't satisfaction, it wasn't that it was just this nihilistic approval of the of the terrorist attack, so I think the reason I hated the United States and I hate is and I was supporting like people who lived in caves, in mountains, and all they had in mind was disaster, is because I hated life. I didn't know it, but in retrospect, this is, this is how I view it. So I was someone who didn't have any direction, didn't have any goals, didn't, wasn't really happy, had very low self-esteem. Now, when you're such a person and you view people who achieve, people who do things, people who are happy, people who have goals. Your reaction is, I don't like that. This makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't feel at home with that. On the other side, when you see people who live in caves and what they have inside them is destruction, then you feel more at home with them. It's like, okay, this doesn't impose much expectation from myself. Like, well, this is what life is. Life is about... You know, kill or be killed. And uh, yeah, these people are poor because these people in the skyscrapers are rich. And also because I was a mega second-hander. I didn't have a single idea in my mind, which was my own. And again, that's not an excuse, but I was looking around me in the culture and I was seeing people giving me the thumbs up. I saw people giving the thumbs up to the people who booed the american national the one minute of silence on that football game and of seeing intellectuals everywhere talking about global inequality and about how the rest of the earth took their revenge now this story has a obviously no happy ending there is no happy ending when thousands of people die but my personal story has some type of redemption. So I think that the work I'm doing against the ideas I held and against the mindset that I say, I held, part of it maybe takes away some of, no, it doesn't take away anything, but I think I'm trying to make up for it. I think I'm trying to make it up for it. And also, I think Greece is the today a much better place than it was back then. So, for example, seeing how many people today get pleasure from uh, Putin's imperialistic war in Ukraine, the percentage is lower. Of course, it's quite high compared to the European standards. But Greece is not this moral uh, horror house that it used to be in the early 2000s. And I think Greece has also paid for this. So the financial crisis, not in a didn't pay, there's there's no like God taking any revenge. It's just that a country with so many people holding so many absolutely evil beliefs, this country will uh, will face bankruptcy. Bankruptcy at every level. And this is what happened in Greece within 10, 12 years after after 9-11. So Greece is today a different place. I am today a different person. So people have free will. Cultures can change for the best. This can happen relatively quickly, but this doesn't take away that this was a period that I look back with absolute shame and embarrassment. But hey, at least I think I I can figure out why this was the case. And uh, yeah, I don't want to go all Jordan Peterson, oh, we all have some evil within us. No, it's simple. When your premises are bad, you can be a bad person, even though you think you're a good person. And the other thing, garbage in, garbage out. When you're a second-hander and you consume horrible ideas and you lack independent thinking, you're going to be a person with horrible ideas yourself. Anyway, uh, more on that if you want when uh, ari releases my talk in uh, f- from my runcon athens you also see how i relate this to anti-americanism in europe and what are the uh, what are the reasons behind anti-americanism today they were more like the personal details also if you enjoy this solo episode just to let you know that i also have a youtube channel it's a new channel, and it has some videos I'm experimenting with uh, talking about topics that I'm interested in, and the the link is somewhere in the description. Just put Nikos Otirakopoulos on uh, YouTube, and you'll find it. Follow me also on Twitter. You know you know all that. So, upcoming shows today, 7 p.m. UK time, is the Founding and Book Club, It's only for ERC-UK members, but the session will also be live streamed to YouTube members and there's a link in the chat. So many thanks for watching. Many thanks for those of you who contributed. I really appreciate and I'll see you soon. All the best. Bye-bye.